What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Biv DeVoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Michael Bivens is with us. He takes us from the projects in Boston to Belle Biv DeVoe. He's got a new documentary coming to All Black. Plus, we're talking to the people behind the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx. Angelique along with Lonnie Love. Lonnie, what's up? You know, what would have been a peaceful Saturday evening in Montgomery's riverfront took an ugly turn as a violent brawl erupted in Alabama's capital city. Um, This was a few Saturdays ago. And, you know, I'm just sitting up there minding my business, you know, (laughs) on Instagram and Twitter, because you know, you know that's what we do now. Because you're on strike. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got nothing else to do. And these videos pop up, and it shows this brother trying to talk with his hands. You can't really hear sound because it's far away, but you hear the man pointing at a boat, saying to move the boat. All of a sudden, these white guys starts jumping the black man. Well, the video is from a person taking a boat. And so she's kind of like, y'all go help that red. She's, you know, she's got a commentation and all this other kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you see brothers come from everywhere. I mean, the man took his hat off, flipped it up in the sky like it was a bat signal. And all of a sudden people just everywhere started coming. And it, it basically was like three different fights that broke out. It was the first fight. Then, you know, it was some brothers that came skipping and fought again. And then was some other, it looked, it looked like it was some cues that, cause they had on uh purple and gold t-shirts. They was fighting the people. Finally, the police came and, you know, calmed everything down and broke it up. And so we call this the Montgomery brawl and out of this video, you know, people are talking about folding chairs because one man had a folding chair and was using it for everybody. They were talking about the young man who was 16 years old that swam. He he saw his... Jumped his, uh, in. Yeah, because he saw the co-captain. The co-captain was being attacked of the boat. The boat that was docked was docked for 45 minutes. They were waiting 45 minutes for these people to move this boat and they refused to move the boat. So when he went to go talk to them, they want to sit here and, and have words. And you know, and they so, drunk. You oh, know, yeah. they've been on the boat drinking all, day, all day, drinking beer. Yeah. They said 13 people were taken into custody that day. They were questioned. They were all released pending further investigation. Then warrants have been issued against three of the men that were on the, um, the pontoon boat. One was 45, one was 23 for third degree assault. All of them was for third degree assault. All the charges are misdemeanors. The three charged were white men on board that boat. Um, they were looking for the man that it was a black man that was using the folding chair. They said they yeah. was looking for him um, as well. And it was funny because on social media, everybody was like, what folding chair? I ain't see a chair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know. And some of those suspects on that boat, Angelique, had ties to this mini mark in Selma. So people put on Facebook that, hey, these are the people that own this. The mini mark owners tried to, you know, 
uh, distance themselves and saying, distance oh, themselves. we saw yeah. what was going on. We weren't involved like that uh, because their Yelp review went down to one star and uh, people started blasting them on Yelp. I mean, it was just, you know, it was a lot. I want to talk about the bat signal, though, because <laughs> you saw old dude. He tried to turn his hat back and then he was like, forget it. And he threw it up in the air. So I got friends like, that's like the Mason. Ain't that like the Mason signal when you throw the hat up? Don't that mean something? <laughs> I loved it. I'm like, no, I, I think he just, you know, got frustrated and, and t- tried and well, threw he it up it in was the air. On. I mean, sometimes, to me, it looked like he knew, you know what? Well, it's about to be on. It's about it's to right. be on and pop it. <laughs> and I also want to say that you know, he was the co-captain. His name is Damian Pickett. You know, he took a smaller boat that was also, there was also a 16-year-old white male. If you notice, when they attacked, there was a white male that tried to come in and they pushed that poor little boy out. But he took the smaller boat. That's the reason why he went on the dock, you know. And But everybody at, at first thought he was security because it looked like he, you know, was dressed as security. But right. he actually was the co-captain. And so basically... The 16-year-old that swam over there, people started uh, putting money in his um, Venmo and his cash app. Black Um, Aquaman. Yeah, because they were like, they were just so, they wanted to make sure that he was protected and he was taken care of. And he said that, you know, he put out a social media post and said, you guys, I'm fine. I have everything I need. And I thought that was really, you know, because, you know, some people just try to keep taking money. And he was like, no, I'm fine, you guys. And I'm okay. And I did what I needed to do because that was his captain. You know what I mean? So he was going over there to help him. And it's just, you know, when you initially see it, and it's funny, Angelique, because they started putting up the, the videos. And now all of a sudden, Facebook and everybody else, oh, this is it violates our community guidelines oh for real oh yeah if you try to put that up they're gonna they're gonna take it down wow they're gonna take it down they start you know talking about but you know you got all kind of shootings you got everything else they keep that up but what has happened is that people have done remixes of the video i have some on my um ig if you go the comic lining love you can see there you know i put avengers music to it um (laughs) we did different like animations to it and also people started doing reenactments of it and i that kind of warmed my heart there there's a reenactment on my on my IG page that is really funny and it kind of you know try to show the humor even though it was a tragic event in the end it was you know funny to see you know all of these people especially black people come together to help so unfortunately reportedly someone called into a radio station and said that I don't know how true this is, but they called in and said that, you know, they were at the hospital and they went to the hospital and they saw that the people were black. These were the the, the white people that were harmed and they didn't want to be helped by the black people. So thing that people need to realize about Montgomery, Montgomery was the start of the civil rights movement. Montgomery was where they had the first bus boycott. This boycott lasted over a year and they brought the bus company down to its knees because at that time, uh, Black people were made to sit in the back of the bus 
if all of the seats were taken, you as a black person had to give up your seat to white people. This is where Rosa Parks started her movement. And so Montgomery is the heart of where the civil rights movement has started. Also, that actual dock that all of this melee started was the actual dock where they brought in slaves um, and mm-hmm. auctioned them off. Wow. So there's a lot of history. history. And people feel that the ancestors rose up that day mm-hmm. um, to protect its children. And it's an amazing event. There have been arrests um, and we'll see what happens. Um, there are mug shots out with the three people. They still have not found that fourth person, which it was the brother that was yielding the chair. So we'll see what happens with him. But definitely Montgomery was the talk of the town. For that weekend. Yeah, it sure was. was. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lonnie. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique and Lonnie Love. Every DJ knows if you want to get the party going, all you have to do is put on the song Poison, watch what happens. People of all ages, races, hit the dance floor. And the man behind the group, Bell Biv DeVoe, is with us right now, Mr. Michael Bivens. Hello. Welcome to Cafe Mocha. Well, thank y'all for having me. Hi, Lonnie. Hi, Angelique. What's going on? You know, you got a lot happening, but let's talk about this documentary on All Black um, called The Hustle. Tell us about it. Uh, well, it's the story. It's um, As of today, it's a 55-year-old story. As I celebrate my birthday today, it's, um, it's, it's taking you to the roots of uh, where we come from. Orchard Park Projects is showing you the things that I'm um, the new edition story didn't show you what the projects really looked like. Some of the folk in the project got raised us and it's um, the origin of new edition. You know, some people think it started in a talent show. Some people think it started in a living room rehearsal. But we all met in a basketball gym. So it, it takes you places that the story didn't take you. And then it just chronologically moves you through my life, you know, as an artist, as an executive, you know, as a community guy, as a father, as a husband, you know, all of the good things that uh, you start doing as you move through life, you start evolving and you start figuring out the next step. So it's it's a great story from 1968 all the way up to 2023. Wow. And why did you choose the streaming service All Black? Because I love All Black. Well, to be honest with you, I was um, shopping it in... Um, you know, I was at ABC and then I went through Viacom and I found myself um, trying to help them understand there was a time frame I wanted it to hit. And a lot of people were talking 2024, but I knew with this hip hop 50 is coming, mm. we're going to be bombarded with so many stories and everything that I was like, listen, I got to get in before the runway get crazy. <laughs> and it's just so happened. Um, my producer, Yvonne, was working with AMC for the Harlem Festival. And um, I saw the gentleman, Michael, was over advertising. He saw me speaking at a dinner. And um, we just became cool. And then he heard I was doing the story. And then they leaned into it and put me with Brett, who was over there at AMC. And come to find out, Brett was like, Mike, you, you don't even remember. I'm like, what? He said, man, when I wanted to be in the business, I reached out to Biv 10 Records, man, and I became an intern. So a dude that I gave a shot years ago in the 90s is the president of All Black. And I said to myself, yo, the circle is so real. But they just understood what I wanted. 
and they was willing to help me put it out when I wanted to put it out, which is now in August. And they're great people, and they did a better deal. The deal is right. Well, the world premiere of Hustle is streaming on All Black August 24th. So it's very important, people. August 24th is when it's going to premiere. And it's the inspirational story of a young basketball player from the projects with NBA dreams who changes the course of R&B music as we know it. And it's Mr. Bivens, Grammy winner, Bell Bib DeVoe, new edition. It's just, it goes on and on. But how did, you're such a businessman. I remember, You sent me a jacket one time. You don't remember this, but it was through <laughs> Yvette Nicole Brown and you sent oh, a wow. jacket. Do you remember that? I absolutely did. And she took care of all her girls. That's right. I sure did. Mm-hmm. And you're always like the business aspect. Where did that come from? Was it your dad? Was it your mom? Is it just in you? Where did that come from? Well, it comes from the title. I mean, I've been hustling, you know what I mean, since I was about eight or nine, different hustles. I used to sweep floors out of barbershop to get a free haircut. I made up that job because I thought the barbershop I went to, the dude's shop was always dirty. And I'm like, dude, you need someone to sweep your floors. So I made up my job. And I got a free cut every Saturday. <laughs> In the morning after that, I shot up to the supermarket, Blair's, and I bagged bags for the older ladies who wanted to catch cabs. So I bagged their bag, rolled the cart to the curb. You got two quarters then. You got a quarter bag and a quarter putting them in the cab. And then on Thursday, the bakery, the white guy in the hood that made all the cakes, he ain't like to take his trash out. So I take his trash from the front door to the curb and got a dollar every Thursday. That was the beginning of my hustle right there. Those three jobs helped me understand the importance of keeping some money in your pocket. Wow. Wow. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. We're talking to Michael Bivens, his new documentary, The Hustle. Premieres August 24th on All Black. Take us back to that basketball court when you guys met. Take us back there. How old were you and what happened that would later become New Edition? Well, we were 10 and 9. You know, me and Ricky were kind of 10 at the same time, maybe for one month, and Bobby was 9. He's a year younger than me. And um, we were just playing in the gym, Orchard Park neighborhood gym. And Ralph and Ricky were on the Celtics. Me and Bob was on the Warriors. It was on the four teams. And we just kind of knew each other then. But Ralph and Ricky were a duet. And me and Bobby was in two other groups. And so me and Bob stopped performing with the two other groups. And we merged with Ricky. And then we went and got two new members, Travis and Corey, which are in the movie. And I was in 78, and that didn't work out. Two years later, we decided to do it again. And Ricky said, I think I got the right person. So then it was just Bobby, Ricky, Ralph, and myself. And then a year and a half later, Ronnie joined the group. So that was about 81, 82. And then boom, Candyville came in 83. So it was levels to it. It took us five years to get to the song. What was it like, though? Because you guys were little boys, not barely teenagers. What was it like for you getting that deal and dealing with the business aspect as a child? That was grown man's business. See the pictures painted when when we got the deal, I almost didn't sign the deal. Mm. That's in the movie too. You know, like the deal didn't mean that much to me like it did to them. I remember I'm going I'm going to the league in my head. They're going to be Michael Jackson. So Almost didn't sign the paper. My mom pulled me in the hallway and said, you're going to sign that paper. You're not going to leave that money on the table. Okay. And so, so because of that $500, 
she made me sign the paper because I thought signing the paper was going to alter my dream. But signing the paper helped my dream, the one I didn't have. So I wasn't into business. I was still kind of one foot in the group Mm -hmm. and one foot playing basketball back home. So every time we traveled and did something, it was almost like I couldn't wait to get back home. But they were, you know, having the time of their life. And so I was just kind of not into nothing, just kind of out of my element, you know. And um, it wasn't until some bad things went down with the money that I realized how much it affected them. It didn't affect me. But when I realized how much it affected them, then that's when I realized maybe I need to pay attention to something that everybody else ain't paying attention to. And that's when I started getting into business. But I ain't come through the door with a briefcase. I came mm-hmm. through the door with a basketball. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, it was kind of different. I was aloof. Right. It, it didn't affect me one bit. Someone said, yo, they took y'all's money. I'm like, and? Okay, well, cool. You know, it, it didn't, you know, didn't bother me. It bothered our parents, though. It bothered right. Bob and Ricky. <laughs> Them little cats was hot, but I wasn't hot. Why wasn't you I ain't hot? hot for a minute. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. When, when you hear that story about the dollar eighty-seven, right? They was like, hey, they went on tour. They came home with a dollar eighty-seven, right? And everyone was upset. But at that time, my mom was giving me $2 a day. So... It didn't affect me the way it affected them because I felt like the group was 13 cents short, but I was 13 cents up. So it didn't hit me. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me. But all the money we made and then to come home with a dollar eighty-seven. That's how much I was out of it. I know that sounds crazy, but it's time to out the truth. When they told me the story, I was playing in the game. I'm like, damn, why y'all so mad? It's like, Mike, they took all our money. I'm like, dude, I keep two dollars in my pocket every day, man. We just thirteen cents short. That's it. They ain't even register. Honest to God, truth. I love it. I love it. Now, this documentary, Michael. What do you want the viewers to take away from your documentary, The Hustle? A lot of redirection to have. You know, no matter how passionate you are or how much you feel. You know, you need to be going to the left. If God directs you to the right, just go with it. You know, because I was living in the time when they used to say one out of a million make it out of the hood to the league. Mm-hmm. But one out of a million make it from the head into the music business, too. Mm-hmm. So what they needed in terms of a little street, a little bit of grit, a little bit of fashion, a little bit of business is what I brought to them. What I needed from them was come over here with us. We're good. We'll help you become better. You know, we're going to lead the way. You could just kind of sit in the background till you find your way. And it felt like it was a perfect marriage. What they needed, I had. What I didn't have, they were great at. And we just found a way to just click me in. Because you got to remember what I said. I was in the group with Bobby Brown, Ricky Bell, and Ralph Tresman two years before Ronnie came. So I'm just three lead singers. So I'm just kind of like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hanging out. Mm-hmm. I'm dancing by myself. You know, it's lonely back there by yourself. You know, I ain't got too many parts. You know, it's not until Ronnie came. I was like, okay, now I got a little dancing partner, a little rapping partner, you know. So I'm hanging with that type of talent. So what I wanted them to get out of it is that um, I found my way. And not only did I find my way in something I didn't think I was good at, I also became great at it. And I was able to push some other people on. And I was able to really put some points on the board 
And I was able to do it at a young age. So it's just almost like allow your redirection to happen. I like that. Allow your redirection to happen. How do you keep, because we see you guys, we see new addition. First of all, congratulations for getting everybody back in the group. How do you keep it fresh, Michael? So how do you keep it fresh, real Chuck? You pay attention. You know how you, when you cut yourself off and you're just in your own mirror, then you're only seeing your reflection. You got to move around. You got to see someone else's thing. You got to study someone else. You have to keep the knowledge of the new information. And you can't just sit on what you just did. You got to look at, okay, well, what's the next layer? What's the next step? And, you know, what's the next void? And that allows you to keep it fresh. It doesn't always come from you. It comes from the inspiration of somebody else. It's Cafe Mocha. We're on the line with Michael Bivens. Uh, his new documentary on all black premieres August 24th is called The Hustle. As we close, any advice? Because there are a lot of young people out here, Michael, that they see you, they see you successful, they love your music, they know that you're an entertainer and a business person. Do you have any mm-hmm. advice, especially for our young black brothers today, on how to deal with business and family? Well, you know, like I said, you, you pray on it before you sign the paperwork. And you um, you always try to look at it like, you know, when I'm getting into a deal, mm-hmm. do I have leverage to get out of the deal? Mm. Is it amicable? Can I go or am I binded by you? Do you have control over me or do I have control over my experts? Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that going into it because the advance is more than they ever had or the opportunity is what they was waiting for, but then they get locked in. But you, you, you make sure you pay attention to how you get out. And remember, when you go into anything, you have 100% ownership of it. It's you that give away the right. Mm-hmm. So be careful of your partner to make sure that, hey, this is my intellectual property. And I'm willing to give you a piece. But I'm not willing to give you all of my peace. So when I leave, you have everything about me and I have nothing. And in terms of family, know the difference between trying to do business with family. Know the difference between staying close to your family while you're doing business. Trying to have a medium that you don't get so consumed in your career that you lose sight of family. Because when you kind of go back around again and it ain't going down, you might have missed some moments with your own family because you was too busy caught up in something else and that you can't bring back. So you got to have a happy balance. So it's important to stay tuned. I call this like Clark Kent. It's like Superman. Wear your suit, wear your glasses, and then wear your cape. Go back to your suit, wear your glasses, and then wear your cape. Try to just do both. Some people lean on one side too much. It's Cafe Mocha. Michael Bivens, The Hustle premieres August 24th on All Black. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that's so great. No, thank, thank you for y'all. all that. No, thank you. And y'all be good. You too. You we'll see you on the stage. And, and please tell me what you think. Let's do it. Say less. Let's go. All right. On the way, it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop with the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network 
an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique Lonnie Love on the line. Renee Foster, she's director of communications for the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx. Renee, first of all, congratulations on the museum. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. We have been working so hard, particularly in this anniversary year for the 50th to really, really evangelize about how important preserving this culture is for the future, for everyone that loves it worldwide. Well, you know, hip-hop is everywhere, and it's influenced not only music, but American culture. And there are exhibits in the Smithsonian dedicated to hip-hop, but why was it important to do a museum expressly for hip-hop? Well, it was born in the Bronx. It was born in the Bronx. It was created by Black and brown kids that were marginalized, and, you know, um, there wasn't really access to arts education in the schools at that time here in New York City. And as we do with our creativity, we find ways to make something from nothing. And this is really the inspiration for hip hop. You know, when you didn't have music lessons in classrooms and instruments, they used turntables. You know, what's really fascinating about it is that in this 50th year where it is completely legitimized, like you said, in museums and libraries and in academia, no one thought it would last. No one believed that it was a real art form. And that, to me, is the most striking thing about this celebration this year. Because like you said, hip-hop is everywhere, and it has influenced everything. Those five elements 
have informed every aspect of life as we know. It's been used to market everything to us everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about the 50th part because so many people are saying we're calling it the 50th anniversary, but I mean, some people argue that it was around long before 50 years. Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, um, I, I love those discussions because those discussions come from people that are stakeholders in this culture when it was in its genesis. And I believe we should have those discussions because with everybody being a stakeholder, you get to say when and where you entered. Conversation to have, because as you take ownership of this culture, you remind people that I was there. And so I love those discussions. I listen, mm-hmm. I'm not as old as some of these people that say they were there first, but I love their voices. I love the fact that they want to be re- represented and they want the, you know, the timeline to reflect when and where they entered. And that is important. Can we talk about what mixing has become? Because if you Google DJ now, we know what our image of a DJ is, but if you, if you Google picture images of a DJ, you're more than likely going to see a white guy with headphones on and not necessarily turntables in front of him. Um, can you talk about the a bit of the history of mixing? Well, the fact of the matter is uh, hip hop was very innovative in that it was an early adapter of technology. So when the turntables came into the mix and you can't, you know, dismiss the influence of mixtapes on cassette. So I look at the technology and its growth as a kind of natural outcropping of it. But in terms of the visuals that you see, well, you know, there's also DJ D-Night, you know, who showed the world what a DJ who came out of hip hop, a Bronx born DJ, you know, one of the original members of the Boogie Down Productions. So, you know, there's not a fixed idea of who a DJ is, but there's a bit of, shall we say, co-opting mm-hmm. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a way to really describe. But I think the embrace of it and when you do see and let me be fair. And when you do see DJs of that ilk, they are more often uh, people that love hip hop, like Mark Ronson, who's worked with a lot of hip hop artists. And then it's, you know, those DJs that you see that do Ibiza, do Electronica and all those things. They're not necessarily hip hop, but they're inspired by hip hop. Definitely. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Renee Foster, executive director of the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx, New York. Now, if you're not in the Bronx, there is a website that you can go to, um, uhhm.org. Um, you can also give donations. There's a lot of um, events. If you're planning on going to the Bronx or New York, I highly recommend that you go to this museum. Renee, how hard was it putting this and getting this all together to, to have this museum? It was a real journey. And I have to say the buy-in of the community first helped us to define what the museum would look like. And I have to uh, make a minor correction. I'm the director of communications. Rocky Buchano is the executive director. And he's also going to be honored by the Living Legends Foundation this fall in Beverly Hills. Oh, right. But it, it, yeah, it was, it was a challenge. You know, um, we had to convince a lot of people. We had to convince people it was viable, it was real, and that it was worthy of being, you know, formally recognized in a museum. And so um, 
We did. We jumped through a lot of hoops. We had to get the accounts, the the New York City Council's approval. We had to get the Unified Land Use Committee's approval, the Parks Department's approval. Here in New York, we had to get Housing Preservation and Development's approval. This was a very, very long, long process. And so, with that, I think. We kind of rose to the challenge to make people understand that the culture that we wanted to preserve and present to audiences worldwide really did have value. And I think the response of people coming from worldwide as well as locally was further evidence that we were really on to something. Definitely. Because how is the museum doing today? The museum is doing great today. Our current exhibition, which is in the Bronx Terminal Market, is only 3,000 square feet, but it is the golden era, 1986 to 1990. And it has memorabilia and artifacts from LL Cool J, Run DMC, Roxanne Chante, Sweet Tea, Bismarck Key, and Eric B. and Rakim. And so we've had amazing amounts of visitors from everywhere you can imagine, from all points in the globe. And for this month, we are opening it to the public for free. Free? Nice. So for free for the entire month of the 50th celebration. We, because, and I'll tell you why it's going to be free, the exhibition is going to go away, but we will be preparing for our traveling exhibition to land at the crossroads of the world this winter, fall winter, in Times Square. Nice. And that traveling exhibition is um, highly interactive. The latest innovations of the use of augmented reality, virtual reality, also, you know, all of the AI that you can imagine. We actually have the breakbeat narratives, which was a very early use of AI. So hip hop always evolves, you know, and not just its expression, but also in the way it engages technology. That's amazing. Well, you heard it here first, people. Free. All this month, the <laughs> Universal Hip Hop Museum. We've been talking to Renee Foster. Um, the 50th anniversary of hip hop is going on right now. This is a great way to celebrate. Thank you so much, Renee, for stopping through Cafe Mocha and giving us all the deets. Thank you. And we're going to unveil our floor to ceiling windows. We'll have images of Missy Elliott, <gasps> Chucky and Flavor Flav, the Beasties, and we are formally unveiling our lyric wall with the lyrics from Biggie's Juicy, It Was All a Dream, and Who Would Have Thought Hip Hop Would Take It That Far? That will be on our permanent, permanent edifice as of tomorrow for the public to see. I cannot wait. Uh, Fantastic. Thank you so much, Miss Renee. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. You too. All right, bye-bye. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, Tori Lanes. Yeah, got 10 years. Yeah. His um, lawyer's pretty upset. I'm sure he's upset as well. Yeah, they said he was upset and the lawyer is probably going to appeal. Uh just to re- remind everybody, uh this was not Megan the Stallion suing Tory Langs. This was the LA DA doing this and Megan the Stallion was a witness. I want people to understand that because it's like when you do something as shooting a person is is being taken you know you can't just sit back and be a person like i don't want to i don't want nothing to happen to them no right they will process anyway so 
um, this is the mistake that Tory Lanez made. He got 10 years. Um, they had this two day before the sentencing, they did this two day of reading, uh, 70 letters that were sent on behalf of Tory Lanez. And you had people like uh, Mario, uh, Iggy Azalea, um, that were, you know, asking for leniency. Um, a lot of people were upset behind that. But just to remind people, Tory Lanez could have took a plea deal and he didn't. And he rolled the dice. But I really think that the letter that Megan sent um, in defense of his defense was really the, the motivating factor because she basically in that letter said how he never showed any remorse for shooting her. Yeah. That he never... Uh, he mocked her. He had other uh, rappers to mock her and that she has not had a day of peace because of it. And if you notice, there are old tweets that are, are now coming back that he he thought he was going to beat this case and he looked at it as a joke. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is the espresso. A little boy in North Carolina goes viral after being attacked by a Karen at a pool. And you see how she viciously um, unprovoked by throwing and pouring soda in his face multiple times and smacked him two times in the face with a soda can and a soda bottle. Fulton County, Georgia, finally indicts Donald Trump. Charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. And rest in power to the black godfather, Clarence Avant. Life is about one thing, numbers, nothing else. What did Tina Turner say? What's love got to do? Not a fucking thing, man. That's why I tell people life begins with a number and ends with a number. If you haven't watched it yet, you got to check out The Black Godfather on Netflix. That's The Espresso. Cafe Mocha on KBLA Talk 1580. Angelique, along with Lonnie Love, we were talking about Tory Lanez and, of course, the fact that he got sentenced to 10 years for shooting Megan the Stallion. Lonnie, go ahead. You know, he did a whole album mocking the woman and had Drake and these yeah. other rappers, you know, mocking her and making fun of her and... You know, it was sad. It was because at the end of the day, when it initially happened, she was in the truck. She got out. You, you There's film of her like getting out and, and she's like on her heels. She told initially she told the police that she stepped on glass because she was trying to protect Tori because yeah. she knew that how they the, the, the LAPD treated uh, black men. And so she was trying to protect him. And then he went on and mocking and and had her best friend to lie. Uh, you know, her makeup artist, they were making up stories. I mean, it was a mess. It was a, a, a real mess. But at the end of the day, Angelique, you the rule of law is totally different than what you see on social media and the court of public opinion. This That's is right. the reason why we have attorneys. This is why we go to, to the court of law. We go to court because people can be easily swayed by 
because they're a fan or because they believe this person or they don't like this person. No, when you bring in facts and you have a judge and he, he don't care who you know, his point is he has to follow the rule of law. And everybody presents evidence, everybody gets testimony, and then there's a decision made. And the point is, he never took it seriously, and he should have taken it seriously, whereas he would have been able to take a plea deal, and he wouldn't get 10 years. He would maybe gotten probation, or he would have gotten one or two years, which he's already been locked up, so he would be free. But no, he did not take this seriously. You have to take when you got the police involved, take it seriously, people. Don't mess around because you think you you on top of the world. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't. Now he was facing twenty two years, so yeah. Some might well, say he's lucky that he only got ten. Well, they recommended thirteen. That they were being the prosecution was like, well, you know, we we recommend you know thirteen, but he got. 10. Make sure if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, type in Cafe Mocha Radio, or better yet, check out all our shows by going to mochapodcastnetwork.com That's mochapodcastnetwork.com Until next weekend, you can find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.